0: Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy.
2: And thanks for joining us again. We're going to have an excellent show tonight, I do hope. With us, our first guest, you've seen him all over the screen during the Triple Crown, high-fiving and smiling. 23-year-old Justin Zayat, who's already helping to run his father's racing operation and stallion manager for Zayat Farms and Stables. And, of course, the big horse, American Pharaoh, coming off the win in the William Hill Haskell Invitational. Where will he go? Well, I'll ask him, but I'm not sure that we're going to find out. I think that uh, trainer Bob Baffert is still... Keeping his cards kind of close to his chest as far as where the Pharaoh's going to show up. So, uh, very lucky to, to have, uh, Justin with us tonight and learn about his experience. I mean, only at 23 years old, uh, to be handling a business, uh, that's had such outstanding, uh, horses. Uh, you know, you just think about, in addition to, uh, American Pharaoh, we're talking about, uh, uh, Derby runner-up, Bodie Meister, uh, Painter, Rea, Sensational, Jaycito. I mean, they've had some outstanding horses, and it looks like he's going to take the reins. For our handicapping segment of the show, we're going to be going up to the Windy City. That's right. It's Arlington Million Day on Saturday. I believe this is the 33rd. 33rd running of the Arlington Million uh, that has produced so many great, great races. And we'll find out what's going to happen this year. I'll tell you what, the majority of the horses in the Million itself have never even raced at Arlington Park except for one that's legendary up there, and that, of course, is the Pizza Man. So my friend Ed Meyer is going to help us break down not only the Arlington Million, About the $700,000 Beverly D, the Grade 1 Secretariat, and if time allows, we'll get to the American St. Leisure. Well, I had some uh, industry news today, kind of sad in nature, but uh, the end is going to come to us all, that uh, legendary horseman John Nehru died at 102 years old in his home in old Brookville, New York. This guy will be written up in the history books forever. I mean, his influence was far-reaching in the industry, not only as a trainer, but as a breeder. Uh, As a trainer, he was inducted into the National Museum Racing Hall of Fame in 1972. He retired back in 1978, Uh, He was a ranch hand, a rodeo cowboy, a jockey, jockeys, agent, trainer. He was one of the co-founders of the Breeders' Cup, uh, built a breeding and racing dynasty with uh, William McKnight of the 3M Company. Uh, Unbelievable. Um, He was the trainer, president, and general manager of Tartan Farms near Ocala, Florida. He developed Dr. Fager into a four-time champion in 1968. He was named champion, sprinter, turf horse, handicap horse, older male, and horse of the year. And if you go back to when the Blood Horse listed the top 100 horses of the 20th century, Dr. Fager was listed as number six. The famous writer Red Smith of the New York Times said Dr. Fager was the fastest horse in the world. As a matter of fact, Nehru got thrown from his pony on the track, and the famed neurosurgeon Charles Fager is the one that saved his life, and so now he has been immortalized. He also trained champions uh, Delegate Intentionally, Tawi and Dr. Patches. He saddled Gallant Man to a runner-up effort in the Kentucky Derby. You may recall that the great Bill Shoemaker mistakenly thought the 16th pole was the finish line, stood up briefly and got back down and rode to that runner-up effort. Gallant Man would go on to win the 1957 Belmont Stakes by eight lengths. And uh, Nehru also was the owner or breeder of influential stallions such as Fabiano and Cozine. Uh, As an owner, he won the 1985 Breeders' Cup Mile with Cozine. He was trained by his son, Jan. uh, And Cozine went on to become the leading sire of 1996 uh, based on the son Alphabet Soup. Most of those cozines, you'll see them. They're easy to find. They're great. So John Neerud, no longer with us, but a great part of the history of racing. Well, I uh, hope over the weekend you dialed us up on Winning Ponies and pulled down your easy win forms. We had some unbelievable hits up in Arlington, we had a 50 cent pick 6 that paid $4,737 and at Saratoga, three big hits, a $1 super that paid over 3500, a $1 pick 4 that paid over 3000, and a $1 super key that paid 2637. So, we like to put on a good radio show, but we also give out a slew of winners. Well, speaking of Saratoga, it's the last time you're going to see Moreno, out on the track, uh, they have stated that after he finished 8th in the Whitney Stakes that he was going to be retired. Now, he is a gelding, so he won't be going off to a stud career, a son of Ghost Zapper. Moreno recently won the Charlestown Classic and also took the Dwyer Stakes in 2013. (laughs) Took him a while to get going. He won the Dwyer after breaking his mating on his 10th try. But uh, trainer Ella Goulier, who's quite a colorful character, said when it's that time, it's that time when they can't compete at the top level. He's been too good to us to gamble and get him hurt, so he's going to retire him right now. So he said, (laughs) Goulier, I'm good, but I'm not God. It was time. Well, we will be looking at the Arlington Million. We're hoping to see uh, Gabriel Charles, but he won't run in the Arlington Million because he was rushed into an emergency colic surgery uh, last Saturday at St. Louis Ray Equine Hospital in California. The five-year-old son of Street Hero is trained by Jeff Mullins. So uh, right now they say that he's a day-to-day after the colic surgery. Uh, We wish them nothing but the best. And another one coming back on the trail to health is Lady Eli. She is making progress from her recovery from laminitis. She's been walking 20 to 30 minutes twice a day while she recovers From laminitis, says Chad Brown. Uh, She stepped on a nail coming back after she dominated the the Belmont Oaks. What a game this is. But uh, according to Brown, she's doing terrific. Uh, He went down, looked at her this week, and everybody's thrilled at how she's doing, including all the veterinarians. And they say that she has excellent hoof growth, looks really well. They're going to take it week to week, so we're not sure when she will come back. Speaking of ladies of the turf, how about this? It looks like Beholder is going to take on the boys in the Pacific Classic. Now, that's going to be run on August 22nd. I'm sure that that's a race we're going to look at. So, uh, according to trainer Richard Mandela, she could not have looked any better. So, she's going to take on the boys in that Grade 1 $1 million race. And I'm sure you'll see several coming out of that race going on to the Breeders' Cup Classic. She's up against some things, though. It'll mark her first time against males and her first time going a mile and a quarter. Well, there were just some slight changes in the point system for Kentucky Derby eligibility. And the main one is, and I think this is a good call, the winner of the Breeders' Cup Juvenile will now get 20 points Instead of 10. Otherwise, the schedule of 35 races remains uh, virtually the same as it has been since the system was first implemented. Coming into the 2013 Derby, and actually, I think it's turned out to be a pretty good thing the fact that we've got a 20 horse limit. And uh, so that race, of course, will be run, Breeders' Cup Juvenile, on October 31st at Keeneland. So and that's going to be interesting itself but uh, as you know it uh, it kicks off we do have some uh, races this year for some of the younger horses uh, the Iroquois at Churchill Downs the front runner at, at Santa Anita and then uh, things begin to ramp up in uh, in January uh, it's a 10 point system all the way up until the El Camino Real Derby then uh, it moves up to 50 points for the winning spot Uh, starting with the Fountain of Youth, and 50 points go right through the spiral stakes at Turfway Park. Then 100-point wins start with the UAE Derby across the pond, and the last 100-point race will be the Arkansas Derby. So uh, let's take a look at who's hot, who's not. And uh, Javier Castellano uh, was named Jockey's Guild Jockey of the Week, but you also want to keep out an eye For Ired Ortiz, Jr., he had a week worth mentioning, uh, led North America in wins with 13 that put him in a tie with Johnny V for the most wins for the Saratoga meet, and that is saying a lot. Now, if you're handicapping at Canterbury Park, Dean Butler and Leandro Gonzalez are neck and neck for the leading rider title. Butler had two stakes wins in the week, including the Minnesota Derby, aboard hold for more. And if you're capping out at Prairie Meadows, you want to keep an eye on Ramon Vazquez. And on the West Coast, Rafael Beorano continued to extend his lead in the jockey standings at Del Mar. So a great, great rider right there. I pretty much keep an eye on him wherever he goes, but he's having an exceptional meet right now. Now, I'll look at some of last week's racing. We'll start at the Spa, and we'll start with the Longines Test Stakes, where last year's champion Take Charge Brandy was returning after a long layoff. Coming in from Oaklawn Park, hadn't raced since January 31st. She was kind of pushed along by Louis Sayaz, but slowly has turned for home, kind of backed up, and. Uh, and and faded to last actually the eventual winner was number two cavorting who rallied from ninth moved into seventh moved into third and ended up winning by two and a half links cavorting out of the karen mclaughlin barn was sent away as the slight favorite now cavorting has only made six lifetime starts but uh now has recorded four wins so uh He's going to, she rather is going to be one to watch. A uh, daughter of Bernardini, Caborni got the job done over Bar of Gold, who led into the stretch, fifteen to one shot, and in the third spot was By the Mood. I understand that uh, Take Charge Brandy did return to the track this week, so it's good to know that nothing bad happened in the race. Guess she just got tired. Of course, the Whitney Stakes. This was kind of a preview for horses that American Pharaoh may meet in the Breeders' Cup Classic. It was Honor Code running down Liam's map. Liam's map had a 4 length lead moving into the lane. But what an awesome close by AP Indy's son, Honor Code. This is the last crop of uh, of AP Indy. Uh, This horse is uh, out of Serena's Cat, who's a daughter of champion Serena's Song, Uh, So, uh, Shug McGahee, he'll be at Keeneland with honor code. He has said he takes home the grade one Whitney over Liam's Map and Tonalist. So, those were the big races that we handicapped last week with our friend Billy Johnson. Greatly appreciated that. But coming up next, we're going to have a chance to talk to a guy that uh, is on the ride of his life, I'd have to say. Justin Zayat. We're going to be right back after a little bit of a break here on Winning Ponies.
1: The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep.
3: Sports.
0: You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Englehart.
2: All right, and with me right now is just Zayat, a young man who's helping to run his father Ahmed's racing operation as the racing and stallion manager for Zyatt Stables. Uh, I do believe he just uh, celebrated his uh, graduation from New York University, Uh, but he's got a busy, busy life ahead of him, I can tell you that. Justin, thanks for joining us on Winning Ponies.
3: Thank you very much for having me.
2: Well, I got to add, do you you wake up every morning and and pinch yourself, making sure you're not
3: dreaming? (laughs) 100%. You know, I count my blessings every single day, and it's, been, I mean, this year has been a a dream of a lifetime and, you know, nothing I could ever, nothing I ever expected to come, you know, it's it's unbelievable and it's all credit to a really, really special horse.
2: Uh, Special horse and and a special team. Uh, As I said to you off the air, I I think it's great, Uh, number one, how you people have, kept him in racing so that the public can appreciate the, the greatness of American Pharaoh. Uh, but number two, how you've been so open to the media to, uh, you know, Joe Sixpack on the backstretch. I've had different friends email me photos that they've been allowed to take posing with American Pharaoh. Uh, you guys back there, you look like you're having the time of your life. You, your father, Baffert, the whole
3: team. No, a hundred percent. Thank you so much for having I am mean... It's just like a total ride of a lifetime, and I think it's, we think it's a very important thing to make sure we get back to the fans and the industry for you know they're the people that keep us going and support the game. So I want everyone to have that dream of you know I saw Secretariat, now I'm in racing. So I want people to have that about American Pharoah But they got into racing because American Pharoah. So that's why we're so open to the public, and I think it's very important to be transparent and uh, kind of make them feel like they're they're, uh, they're on the trail with us.
2: Well, you, you've done it, and like I said, the whole team gives off such good vibes. I, I know that your your father uh, was a long-time uh, passionate a horse enthusiast and an equestrian. My question is, Justin, how old were you when you discovered your love of the game?
3: It was I was actually uh, when I was in eighth grade. It was my dad started buying horses. I was like any other kid. I love baseball, basketball, big NBA fan, bay, uh, hockey, football, all the sports but horses. racing. You know, and then when my dad bought a few horses, I was like, all right, dad, that's kind of cool. You could enjoy that, have fun, you know. And then then he bought the next auction. He goes, he buys 18 horses. I was like, whoa, oh, my God. He's like, Justin, give it a chance. You'll like it. And I remember watching my first race. Ever since that day, I was hooked. You know, I was hooked on the, the horse itself, how brilliant they are, how, you know. Now it's kind of like my sports team. So, you know, I fell in love right away. And ever since that day, I just kind of kept getting more and more and more involved.
2: Well, obviously, you have been, and obviously, you've become very experienced. Now, to be a racing and stallion manager at at your age is a daunting task. Uh, Can you kind of tell our listeners, uh, Justin, uh, what's a day in the life uh, for you?
3: For sure. Well, first, I mean, the last four years, I was doing it while I was in school. So I'd be taking classes. And then when I was, when I was done with my homework and all that, I would focused on the racing. I'd call the trainers. We'd discuss the horses, plan out the races, speak to the farm managers, um, discuss the breedings for the upcoming year of the horses. But, I mean, now, now that I'm done with school, I finally have one thing off my back. Now I do this full time. So literally every single day I'm, I'm watching my horses work out and I'm getting alerts. I'm, Watching Just watching the other horses, see who's out there, where I should run my horse, who should ride our horse. But, you know, I don't really try to micromanage our trainers because, as you know, Bob Baffert, D. Wayne Lucas, uh, John Terranova, all these guys are the best, best guys in America. So I don't really need to teach them how to train a horse. You know, they know how to do that. We <laughs> just work as a team and we discuss and make sure we're all on the same page. So I, I make sure everything goes smoothly. If a horse needs surgery, a horse needs to be sent somewhere else, I'll, I'll handle all those logistics.
2: But it it is phenomenal, uh, Justin, that in just six years, uh, Zayat Stables has campaigned a Kentucky Derby winner, three Kentucky Derby runners-up, and another Kentucky Derby favorite. Uh, What's your formula? Do you have one, or or is this luck? (laughs) There's guys that have gone their whole life and tried to do it.
3: The top secret, no, I'm kidding. That's actually (laughs) just a credit to, uh, you know, I think we're very hands-on. And we we really, uh we go out and we buy the right horses at the auctions. We get lucky, we breed, but it's a credit to the, the whole entire team. But, you know, it's our, our sale teams that come with us. We've got a big, a, a whole crew comes with us, a veteran who come with us. So it's really just, we we go through a process and we really do our due diligence on every single sale. We really keep up to date with our trainers. We treat our horses with all the love and care that they could get. And, you know, and they've, they've blessed us in performing that and it, They've been so lucky. You know, I can't. We're pinch, we pinch ourselves every day at our records. Well, uh, certainly, you know, hard work
2: begets success. Now, I, I want to ask you, as a guy who's in his early 20s, um, number one, it's a two-part question. Is there a side to what you do that you enjoy most, and what part is the most challenging? Mm-hmm.
3: So... What I do other than racing, I hang out with all my friends. You know, I have a girlfriend. I have uh, one of my best friends. We play sports together. I work out, play ice hockey. So those are some things I do other than I'm doing racing. And what's a big challenge? A challenge in racing? Um, I mean, sometimes our horses are all over America, so you really gotta keep in contact. Not just like I live in New York, so it's very easy to go to Belmont and see my horses there. But other my horses in California, you really gotta got to be up to date and keep following up and keep in contact with your own team. So that's so that's, that's the challenging part but you oh. know I think the easy part as well please I love speaking to my trainers and learning.
2: I guess uh, everybody wants to know what's up next for American Pharaoh. maybe you can't really tell us exactly tell us where you'd like to see him run
3: No, 100% I mean I could tell you exactly he's going to work on Sunday and then we'll know we know we all want to run in the Travers we're leaning towards running in the Travers or we just need a see how the big horse works and if he's up to it then uh, we'll take him over there but we need to make sure he's breathing fire and he's ready to run his race so we're going to see him Sunday when he works here at Del Mar
2: Well he's, he's pretty awesome in everything everyone's seen I don't think that he's ever really been asked for 100% I know there have been some studies that have matched his stride versus Secretariat's, and his stride is actually longer than Secretariat. Uh, do you think, have, have they ever gotten to the bottom of this horse?
3: I mean, it doesn't seem to me like we've seen the bottom of him. You know, I really think the one race that he's really had to run was the Kentucky Derby. You know, that day he was kind of lost his race before the race. It was crazy. He got very warm before the race. But other than that race, you know, he's really... Never really had to get the bottom to, to see the bottom of him yet, I and mean, so that's an unbelievable thing about him—is how consistent he's been and how he holds his form and how he always runs. You know that that race—that's like wow, every single first.
2: I mean, it—it it, it was just unbelievable in the Haskell. Um, Victor just stopped riding him at the eighth pole and, and let him uh, gallop out. Now, as you, as somebody that Crazy. has to be concerned about the road to the Breeders' Cup Classic, are you keeping an eye on the older horses and are some that you? potentially fear
3: 100 percent. you know i watch uh every single race and I, I of course i watch all all races in the country so of course i'm monitoring the older horse division very closely the whitney was this weekend the liam's map and honor code both ran huge races the also very nice horse so of course there's nice older horse on the radar but the breeder's cup is long away you know long long ways away i'm just trying to make it through this month and next month and see how it goes because you know every single day who knows what can happen with these horses so we're just counting our blessings every single day so I'm trying not to get too far ahead of myself yet but uh, of course we always dream. Um, Well I I, I can't
2: imagine uh, what's going through your mind as far as when the horse is retired and who you could potentially match him up with Mm -hmm. uh, as far as from a breeding perspective. I understand you are your family is going to be keeping a, a a part of the horse for breeding, correct? Correct. Correct. What kind of challenge is that going to be for you, picking a date for him?
3: Well, I mean, we're going to have all different types of mares. He's going to get the best ones. It's going to be hard. I, honestly, I haven't even thought about that yet. It's going to be a sad day for me when he retires, so I'm to have to think about that. But, of course, we're going to breed. I'm sure he's going to get the best of the best mares in America. Who know, maybe they breed them out or something.
2: <laughs> hey, you know, that's uh, certainly not out of the question. I wouldn't be surprised right. if uh, her nice. or Rachel Alexandrum wouldn't be on that'd his be uh, the date list in the future. That would be, that'd be an honor. Uh, it would be honor, and it would be awesome, and it would be great for the sport. And y- You've been great for the sport. I, j- I just want to ask now, uh, you, you, you've graduated from college. Is, is your future totally going to be in thoroughbred r- racing, do you believe, for the rest of your life?
3: Yes, I want to. I mean, that's where my passion is. So at least least short term right now, that's what I'm going to be doing for the next couple of years. But I don't see it stopping anytime soon.
2: And I, I need to ask you one question. I didn't run a complete pedigree analysis, but are there any other American Pharaoh family members on the
3: ground? Yes, we have a full sister. She's a yearling right now in Ocala. She's actually looks really nice. And there's a horse. Who is born in Irish Pharaoh. He's a, uh, a Wheeling right now. And you, you own him? Uh, we don't own him. We own, uh, the sister. We sold his oh. mom in October this year. Okay. Well, listen, uh,
2: Justin, I, I wish you nothing but the best. I think you've got a bright future because you sure are coming out of the gate awful fast. And, again, I want to thank you, you, your father, and the whole American Pharoah team for keeping him in training and sharing him with all the race fans in the United States.
3: Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Um, uh, thank you so
2: much all right we appreciate it we've been talking with uh, justin zayat who is the uh, son of ahmed zayat the owner of american pharaoh and looking forward to his next appearance we're going to take a little bit of a break here and when we come back we're going to be talking to a man that i greatly admire that's right his name is ed meyer
0: The fans now have a voice to speak their mind. No holds barred. They bitch's ass and then move oh, I on. Just, I just to... think that the coach made a mistake. Oh, crazy.
2: <laughs> NFL, MLB, NBA, NHL. Speak up. Speak up. Or forever hold your mouth.
3: We ain't playing around here.
0: Voice America Sports. And they're off. What?
2: All right, and back with me, a man who's certainly no stranger to this show. He was the former host of this show. He's a good personal friend of mine. He's an odds maker. He's a race caller. he's a writer. It is Ed Meyer. Ed, I haven't seen you in a long time. How you been?
1: John, it is great to hear your voice, and I have to say, I thoroughly enjoyed your guest.
2: <laughs> I did too. This kid's 23 years old. I mean, I know that he's already stated publicly. That, that he wants to go to the Travers. Put yourself in Justin Zayat's shoes. Where are you going with American Pharoah?
1: Oh, oh, wow. Honestly, I, I think I would do the Travers. I I really would. It, Bob Baffert seems like he, he's a little on the bubble. And yep. and I, I think that maybe you know he's worried about the gas intake. If I, if I had to put my two cents in, which is a whole lot more than that uh, at this level, I would go to the Travers and then Hopefully, hopefully we'll see everything turn out well in the, for the Breeders' Cup.
2: You know, I, I totally agree with you, Ed, because, you know, the, the Travers has such history uh, to it, and it, it is the Midsummer Derby. And to win uh, the Kentucky Derby, the Triple Crown, then the Midsummer Derby, and I guess now they're calling it the Grand Slam, if you could hit, uh, win the Breeders' Cup on top of that, uh, I mean, let's face it, you know, greatness is not a word that should be tossed around uh, lightly. But if he sh- could do that, I mean, I think he puts himself right there with, uh, you know, s- slew and, and, and affirmed and secretariat.
1: You know, you you are correct. Uh, those those are some pretty big standards, and those are words that we really don't want to clutch grab just uh, just at the top of a hat. But after watching the last race, if it actually didn't eradicate any doubt that you had in your mind, I mean, maybe you really need to go back and watch it again. It was, it was, it was a rarity. I mean, what, you know, we saw a Triple Crown winner this year. I think this last race actually solidified it for me that uh, the good Lord willing and, and everything comes out just right. And I, I would also pay attention to Bob Baffert's hesitation on this one. He really, really has brought this horse along so well. And, and you know what? At this point, maybe being a little hesitant, maybe, maybe there is a little bit of, I don't think it's worry, but I think it's just keeping enough of the genie in the bottle for down the road. But, uh, I think what a marvelous, what a marvelous position. And to have Justin there that he's actually committed at 22, 23 years old for the rest of his life to be at this level of the game, wow. Is that a dream come true or what?
2: Yeah, really. But yeah, I know it's in the back of Baffert's head. He probably remembers horses by the name of Man War and Secretariat. And both of them lost at Saratoga. I don't think he wants to be a part of that club.
1: I, I could agree with that. And. You know he's he's actually done so much, and I and I just I really think at this point you really just don't want to nick that uh, reputation that history is etched in gold, and it's it's there forever. And and I, I think once you reach this level, it just from a guesstimation, I think you just want to really really be selectively choosing. Now I don't think they're ducking anyone. I think they just want to do what's better. Bob wants to do what's best for the horse, and I'm sure the Zayats as well. They're very committed to racing.
2: Well, you you heard Justin. I guess the horse is going to have some serious uh, work here in the days ahead. And if he bounces out of that as they feel he can, I believe that uh, he's heading on up to the spa.
1: Oh, you know, I, I'd love to see it. I, I'm a New York racing fan all year round from the inner track all the way to the spa and, and all points in between. I absolutely love it. Uh, they don't call it the graveyard of favors for nothing, but to be very honest with you, everyone's going to have to bring more than their A game and pack two lunches.
2: <laughs> well, it, it will be interesting, but uh, I really think if America Pharaoh is going to get beat this year, it's going to be by an older horse, not a three year old.
1: That, that's, you know, John, that's a very fair statement, and that might be the hesitation we're seeing out of the Baffert camp.
2: Well, I, from what I heard is he wants to keep them with three-year-olds, which is why the, the Pennsylvania Derby is also on the menu. But uh, I just think there's something about that ghost of Saratoga that scares Baffert, because from what I understand from past years, he hasn't had the best success up there. Let's face it, man, uh, uh, right now Saratoga is Chad Brown and uh, Tad Pletcher's world and everybody else is just living in it.
1: <laughs> that, that is, that's 100% correct. And you know what? It's a wise man to, to hunt and peck and, and to know where you actually fit. But John, I've got to ask you the, the $5 question. Now, I heard you pose it to Justin and, and I mean, it's such a tough, tough answer. Before we get into handicapping, if you had the option and you were calling the shots and you're a man of a of, 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 of very deep horse flesh and you know you know quite a bit about that side of the game. Who would you actually, who would be his first date?
2: Um, well, again, I'd have to look at the, the producers. And, you know, with I was so impressed with Honor Code last week. And he is out of Serena's cat, who's a daughter of Serena's song. So, you know, you, you and I can't match up. I'm not looking at American Pharaoh's pedigree, and I don't know how close he is. Uh, to Stormcat, because you know you don't want somebody playing a banjo in West Virginia with your inbreeding. <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, I, I, I'd i have to match him up. As you know, I like to do that. I, I also like to do the Rasmussen factor, and that is uh, find very uh, intense female families um, that that can match up through different sires. It's called the Rasmussen factor. So, uh, but I mean, just imagine if he could be bred to a. a Zenyatta or or Rachel Alexandra and certainly I'm sure those teams could get together and work out some kind of deal I mean you talk about a marriage made in heaven either one of those mayors uh, could just be outstanding and as you know uh, we uh, believe it was Rachel's uh, daughter the one first time out at Saratoga um, last uh, last week who was very impressively
1: very impressively John
2: kind of stumbled out of the gate, and then all of a sudden kind of learned what the game was all about and ended up pulling away by about two and a half lengths. So that would be pretty neat, if only, if only for historical reasons. You know, uh, Like I said, I don't have their pedigree page in front of me, but I, I think the breed of one of those horses that has made uh, close to or as many headlines as American Pharaoh in recent racing, that would be the way to go. So I hope that answers your question.
1: I just hope that we get to see it doesn 't no matter where it where it ends up being i 'm sure that the powers that be know more than we ever will, but i 'll just say this: I just hope to see babies from for a long time to come
2: yeah, and i don 't see anybody turning him down. Uh, should they, <laughs> no. they be offered a, a chance for a breeding? Well, uh, we've got some extremely bizarrely bred horses in the Arlington Million because, as always, it draws horses from over the pond. Uh, so we've got quite a mixed bag in here. What the one thing that jumped off paper to me, Ed, in looking at this year's Million, uh, even though it, it draws a uh, you know a, a broad spectrum of horses, is that the overwhelming majority have never raced at Arlington park. And then you got the backyard kid. I know you like this source just off his name, the pizza man who's made 12 starts at Arlington park, nine wins, a second and a third for earnings of over $625,000. He could have taken a softer spot, but instead Midwest thoroughbreds is rolling the dice. The pizza man at 10 to one, for me, is very, very enticing. Uh, the, the other horse, you know, the other player in here is the way I see it, is Chad Brown, because it looks like he's bringing in a rabbit in shining copper that could potentially set it up for Slumber and Big Blue Kitten, who both like to come from off the pace a little bit. What's your read on the million?
1: Well, first off, John, I, I agree completely with the Pizza Man, a 10-to-1, Florent Giroux and uh, Roger Bergman coming together. I think this is a real, a really nice son of English Channel. And if you go back uh, historically just in the past performances, won the Stars and Stripes last year, the American Saint Ledger, the Stars and Stripes this year, the Pizza Man flat out delivers. I absolutely love the 10-to-1 shot. But, John, I have kind of clutched up here, and I, and, I've, and I went to the outside, And if you ever get an email from me at 7.30 or 8 in the morning, it's because I'm watching races from Great Britain, and I'm a big fan of John Gosden. Now, he spent some time on the West Coast at Del Mar, Santa Anita, Hollywood Park, Uh and did incredible, a yeoman's task. Maverick Wave, William Buick, who is a just an incredible rider in his own right. I love the way this one, this son of elusive quality, is coming about. We're going to get first-time Lasix, of course, coming in. Uh, he, he won, at the, he won at the course of Chester. It was a group three. John, I like the three. This is the third shot for a victory for this runner. It looks like the later in 2015, this colt is really coming into his own. I know that John Gossin's actually been pointing. Anything that I've been reading, it it mentions John Gossin's been looking ahead. He's been planning. For Godolphin Racing, they make very few mistakes, and they're in the most capable hands with William Buick. I love the outside runner, and I didn't know if you had him tossed near exactness, but I I will stick with the pizza man. But Maverick Wave, especially at 8-1, has really got my eyes.
2: Well, uh, what I find interesting, and you do see this in the European runners, uh, is that, uh, two races back, it wasn't a graded race, but he won by 10 lengths and he did it at a mile and a quarter toting 136 pounds. Very few American horses will ever have that much weight on their back in their life.
1: The, how true. And you know, it's, uh, there's something that's even a little more intriguing to me. I, I like it. Well, first off for a mile and a quarter to say that I'm actually going to, cut back in distance, where my horse is, that is, from a mile and 5'16", to a mile and a quarter, we're going to go a sixteenth of a mile shorter. I think William Buick is sitting in the catbird seat here. The Arlington course doesn't specifically play blistering fast, which is wonderful. And, you know, from, from all accounts, and I don't, really don't see any inclement weather heading their direction, I'm still going to be tough on with Maverick Wave, but I'm going to use the Pizza Man. I believe, you know, we, we both had... Briefly discuss the pizza man, and it 's always oh my goodness it's just so tough to to argue with his you talk about a horse for a course, something that you had brought up years ago and taught me, and handicapping with you know with, with uh, horses that actually like the course, but John rounding out my try with those two is going to be probably one of the most underrated turf riders in the country, and that 's Jose Lescano for Bill Mott and bill Mott's having a, a, a great year at Saratoga, just to say the least, but those three have really got my have got my Merrick Wave on top of the Pizza Man now Pizza Man I, I believe was uh, co-entered uh, in, in two races but I believe the Pizza Man's leaning in this direction yeah, and I'm, I'm gonna really going to throw a triple that. threat at six to one.
2: You know, I figure he's a gelding. You know, they've got nothing to lose. They can go for the million dollars. There'll be other opportunities for, for this horse down the road. I just wonder if if Chad Brown's idea, and that's the way I see it, by bringing shining copper in uh, to serve as, as a rabbit for slumber of Big Blue Kitten, if it might not fall into the favor of the pizza man.
1: I think the pizza man... It- he possesses that tactical ability to, to press, to go. I, I think Florent Giroux fits this runner. It, it's, it's truly exciting to watch the pizza man because just about when you, you really count him out, he, he, he finds another gear. And he always does just enough. He almost looks like he's playing with them. You'll see he wins by a neck. Now he won by a, a Churchill Downs for the first time out in the opening verse by two lengths. Now that's rare, but usually you see a link, the half length. He's almost like he's playing with them. A son of English champion Panel. it's hard really to put that down Florent was once upon a time when he was a younger lad was supposed to be the next Julian Peru, which in his own right he's done a tremendous task he's, he, he rode very well at, uh, at fairgrounds he's doing incredibly well winning 22% up there I think the pizza man's going to be, he's going to be, for, for Midwest Thoroughbreds, Roger Bergerman. I, I believe that he's just going to give them all that they want, but when it comes down to it, class shows in the distance, and I'm going to go with the classiest guy in the race in my heart, and that's John Gossin on the outside.
2: All right, steady Eddie, giving us some odds, 8-1, to one, Maverick Wave, uh, we've got the pizza man at 10-1, to one, which I do not believe in Chicago that's going to happen. Again, we were just discussing the legendary 33rd running of the Arlington Million that has produced so many, so many great races. Well, uh, I'm sure that uh, you're going to be able to get all kinds of pick threes and pick fours going into this race. Let's move backward to another famous race, and that would be the Beverly D. This is the 26th running of the Beverly D. And Coming out of this race, something kind of rare, in a grade one race that's a year apart, are the top two finishers. Euro Charlene won this race last year from uh, looking at the past performances. It is the only time that this horse ever stepped on the soil of the United States, and decided that that was a pretty good move and is going to do it again. So Euro Charlene uh, and is not going to bring in one of its European riders. Your boy, Jose Lescano, gets the call on Euro Charlene, last year's winner of the Beverly D. But let's not forget that that late, 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 late closing, Stephanie's Kitten, who is second last year, is going to be back for a challenge here again chad brown he's in a zone of his own right now he has several runners in here i don't know if you could flash any more uh insight on um the european horses but the one that caught my eye was secret gesture here's another one that's coming out of a race was only beaten two and a quarter lengths in a grade one over the carra in ireland a daughter of galileo out of a dane hill mare that that you breeding in europe doesn't get any better than those two studs at this point we haven't seen Frankel's kids yet but packed 136 pounds last time gets in with a feathery 123 today uh were you up early with a cup of coffee watching any of the secret gestures uh (laughs) racing
1: you know it, Jamie Spencer and I, we, we, we have kind of a, a love, I'm not going to say hate, but just a love dislike uh any time uh, on Arlington Million Day, because he was actually taken down on a horse named Powers Court, who then returned uh, from a DQ and then comes back to win. But I absolutely like your your, your secret gesture, John, uh, a daughter of Galileo, I, I think is, is, is tremendous. I mean, it, running in the crowd, uh, a group one, looks like everything's hitting on on all cylinders in here. I like what you said about Euro, Charlene. Isn't this, I mean, this is just a, a fantastic day to see a, a Beverly D winner actually returning. And putting on Jose Liscano. I, I really think it's a plus. I, to me, it, it's, it, is, it is a true plus. But, John, when it comes down to it at the end of the day, I believe that we are living in Chad Brown's universe. This is his year. And he's bringing this go to guy with a Rad Ortiz. This is second start off a layoff. This is one of my favorite angles. And it's with the daughter of kittens, Joy. You've already got a monster. I believe this one is going to be erupting at the right time. Stephanie's kitten was flying in the, I mean, just absolutely flying into Beverly D last year. Went back and watched it. Frankie DeTorrey rode that day. And – my goodness. I mean, there's nobody, nobody better than the flying dismount man himself. But I love the way Ortiz and Chad Brown, they're working together this year. They're winning 24% in the last month, 52% in the money. I mean, th- this this mare is two for two in the money, a win in a second at Arlington. John, I think there's enough foot in here that Stephanie's kitten can, can close into 110 or 116. I believe that this is Chad Brown's year. And I, if I'm, correct me if I'm wrong here. I believe the Euros have a three-win streak coming into this race, and I think this year it gets popped by Mr. Chad Brown. And it wouldn't surprise me if I saw even what's to chances with Jersey Joe in there as well for minor awards.
2: Ed, uh, you, you, make, you make a great case. All I can say is this is going to be a great case to watch because every horse that you mentioned has a legitimate shot, at win, winning the $700,000 Beverly D. Well, also uh, in the mix of this cross race uh, handicapping uh, will be the secretariat that surprisingly, uh, carrying a $450,000 purse and a grade one, uh, only drew seven horses. Now, I know it's for three year olds, but you would think with that kind of uh, purse and the chance to run on turf, uh, you'd find more horses particularly in the U.S., that would want to run. But instead, we've got three European runners coming in. Uh, The undefeated Italian Goldstream, who just won the Italian Derby. This horse is now 5-4-5, and obviously all those races on the grass over in Italy, though we do not know about the competition that it faced. Though the last time it raced, it won by three against a field of 15. Uh, then on the outside, you've got Ward Dispatch, who was a Kentucky bred that was uh, shuttled over to France for its entire career so far and has won 374000 Uh Just finished uh, second in a grade two, is a grade three winner. The horse, I feel, is is the danger in here. I brought this up before, and I'm bringing it up again. A Son of Galileo out of a Dane Hill mare. You know that it's done nothing but run on the turf. It's won almost $600,000, just missed in a grade one. uh, Coming in here off a grade three victory, and the trainer I'm watching is Aiden O'Brien, who's had success in some huge races in the United States over his career. So uh, in the Secretariat, I'm looking at Highland Real. Who does Ed Meyer like?
1: You know, I I looked at this race for about 20 minutes, and, and I said, why am I trying, what, why am I just trying to beat this runner? I, I believe it, it is a true stick out. And that is that is the chalk, and it's forced the pass. I keep coming back to the Belmont Derby. Uh, uh, it was a grade one affair. If you take a look at this, uh, the Son of Spite's John, it was a mile and a quarter event. Prior to that, it was the Penn Mile, which I also felt was a very important prep race for, for bigger and better things down the road. A lot of runners have been coming out of there and just flashing their best. The Belmont Derby actually just sealed the deal for me. If you take a look at the three quarter time of one fifteen and one and then you look at the other was of one ten, one ten and four, one ten I believe this is another special runner. Six starts, six in the money with four wins. Joel Rosario for Alan, Alan Goldberg. I, I'm really feeling feeling something special that uh, some of our, our New York and California fellows are going to come in there and really bring their uh, their their A-plus game. With force the pass, I'm also going to go with my man Jose Lascano on the rail with closing bill. Bill Mott broke his maiden over the dirt course. In the Belmont Derby was 41 to 1, but actually didn't run a bad fourth against Force the Pass. So if I like Force the Pass, I'm going to have to use, as a player, I'm going to use Closing Bell, and then I'm just going to finish it out with very easily Granny's Kitten, a good friend of yours, Mike Maker. I believe they have another monster, a good runner in the Penn mile derby. But I was a little disappointed in the Belmont derby. So I'm going to throw that race out, and I'm going to come right back with those three. And I see, I see our three American boys holding their heads up very high, but I see Force the Pass getting this picture taken.
2: Uh, a great case made. Plus, the, the, the jockey of Highland real S. Hefferman, uh, isn't he related to Fatty McButterpants?
1: Uh, you know, Fatty McButterpants used to be a jockey, but then you know, I heard he started. Uh, found, he found out that uh, McDonald's was open twenty-four hours, and you know, and then what do you get? You know, you, you get you get a two, rider that's just way too heavy.
2: All right. Well, listen, uh, you've been here before. Michael's telling me I got just under two minutes. Real quick, let's uh, hit on the American uh, Saint Saint Leger. Uh, we've got a couple speed horses in here and, uh, Roman approval and, and extra luck. Uh, is, is that gonna set it up for any of these closers? We got the European lucky speed coming in.
1: I, I'm really, I'm hoping that, that Chad Brown has a good day. And for me at Hyper, coming out of the Singspiel stakes, a mile and a half from Woodbine, it's, it's a little thicker course. They're gonna be a lot uh, they're going to be a, a lot of the same course. It's, it's, a, it's, a thicker, it's a thicker grade. It's not that really mowed down tight grass. Uh, the, uh, coming from the Belmont surface, or excuse me, the Woodbine surface to Arlington, I'm really excited about Hyper. And if you look at the three-quarter times, can close into 112, can close into 116. Once again, another versatile runner uh, owned by Ken and Sarah Ramsey, bred by Ken and Sarah Ramsey, trained by Chad Brown. And once again, his go-to man, Irad Ortiz. I just think Irad's going to have one heck of a day, and I sure hope he brings his, uh, his best comb to comb his hair for the uh, Winter Circle Pictures, John.
2: All right, Ed. Well, thanks for giving us your, your pick four selections. I uh, greatly
1: appreciate it.
2: I must say I truly am enjoying uh, your, your race calling this season. You, you, you've really uh, honed your craft quite well, and uh, I look forward to crossing paths with you again soon
1: john i look forward to seeing you as soon as we can hopefully we can uh... We can actually share an adult beverage and watch uh, one of these wonderful races together, but it's always a pleasure. And anybody that's out there listening, pay attention to this guy. He knows what he's talking about.
2: Oh, thank you very much. That's Ed Meyer. I also want to thank Justin Zayat for being with us tonight. It was great for him to take out his time and share the American Pharaoh story with us. So as I look over the manicure turf course over the Ohio River to the hills of Kentucky, I wish you all nothing but the best of luck. And remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it.
0: Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Network.